You are listening to the Niches and Leashes podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Niches and Leashes. And today we have really awesome guests to talk about virtual reality um, on the music side of things. But before we get into that topic, let me uh, reintroduce everyone to my producer, Maddie, who's on my right. How's it going, everybody? This is Maddie. We're going to have a great show today. Oh, yeah. And we're going to talk to our guests, Juno and Dejan. Guys. Hey. What's up, y'all? Wonderful. Uh, so all the questions I'm going uh, to ask about you guys for uh, uh, music in VR, or how would you uh, describe it, actually? Like, what is the title you would give uh, this world that you guys uh, live in? So I th- there's a lot to say to that. But the best way I can describe it is kind of just an underground music community that's, you know, kind of collects in online spaces, whether that be VR, on Twitch, um, on SoundCloud. And uh, it just really is kind of like a brand new avenue for music enthusiasts to kind of get together and share that. Yeah, um, you know, we we kind of have uh, in VR, we've built this like kind of burgeoning club scene. Uh and it's like one of like many kind of sub communities in, in VR, but, uh, you know, it's helped a lot of us get through, like, especially like when COVID was a thing. Ooh, that was going to yeah. be my next question. So, <laughs> would you say that like with COVID because everyone had to be indoors and you couldn't go out? So like the necessity of having a virtual reality uh, space, like just became more important. Yeah. I mean, at least for myself, that was absolutely the catalyst for getting into kind of these types of communities. Same. Um, yeah, especially for uh, kind of music scenes where it's all about kind of live performance and going out and interacting with people in person. This kind of really provides that type of like intimacy that you don't really get just um, in kind of other online spaces. Because, I mean, even even though it's simulated, like just the act of seeing even just an avatar in front of you emoting kind of like a person was, it, it does provide kind of a, a good simulation of that. So I think for a lot of people, COVID really was the catalyst to get into that community. And it, it really has surprised me. Um, kind of how well it emulates like a in-person kind of underground music scene. I, I really was pleasantly surprised at that. Yeah, it's uh, like I think there are you know certainly some things missing, but uh, you know you might not have a giant subwoofer in your house. Yeah. Um, but people get around that with stuff like uh, like the Wooger, which is essentially like a subwoofer vest that what? you can yeah. So um, a while back, there's this uh, there's this company called Subpack. Uh, they're kind of in some drama now, but uh, Wooger is kind of like another uh, version of that kind of thing, where it's like a sub that attaches to your back, so that you can like feel the sub rather than just hearing it in your they, headphones. They have the ones that uh, mounts to your seat as well, so right. like where you're laying back, you can feel yeah. It. So they got Get those. They got here. a backpack version, and now there's a like a vest version. Okay, so uh, that is awesome because I remember I went to a silent disco in uh, Las Vegas, and everyone had the earphones on. It was cool, but like I couldn't feel the bass from the DJ. I couldn't like really feel the party so the fact that they actually have that is actually pretty cool yeah it's pretty well, nuts yeah that plus the the visual of actually having your headset on like yeah. like i said I, I was i was pleasantly surprised at you know how well of a simulation we have even kind of in the infancy of mm-hmm. this technology like this stuff's only going to get crazier as as technology Ooh. gets better so next question you, you said infancy so like when you say infancy I'm, I'm assuming like it's been five wait covid was what like 2020 
Was it 2020? Yeah. Two years ago. Oh, yeah. wow. So it really is in its infancy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's cool. Well, the tech has been around yeah. for longer okay. than that. Just it wasn't popular enough and it had to wait till somebody, everybody had nothing better to do. <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, that, that's exactly what it needed was, uh, was unfortunately a global pandemic. But oh, man. Someone, yeah. someone said a quote to me the other day where it was like, this is the worst this technology is ever going to be. And it really is. It's crazy to think about it that way, because like I said, like we're already making so much progress and really kind of creating new experiences that have never been done before. And like even just it since 2020, like there's been considerable improvement in so, that tech. So yeah. so speaking of um, VR gear wise, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what kind of gear? Because other than just sure. the goggles, I know there's <laughs> stuff where people put stuff on their arms and hands and they all react in the virtual reality world with cameras and stuff like that. Yeah, Tell us okay. about that. So I like, it, let's start with the basics. So like you got your headset and your controllers, right? Um, and your headset is essentially just like a display that is connected right. to your face. Um, some headsets use what are called base stations, which, uh, as Maddie mentioned, uh, kind of like cameras, uh, that are keeping track of the location of everything. Um, and then some others like uh, the Quest, like the new Apple headset, they use cameras that are mounted to the actual headset itself and like see where your hands are, or your controllers are outside of that. Um, wow. Oops, That's um, so cool. And uh, yeah, so past that, uh, you got the what some people have affectionately started calling the like $500 DLC, uh, <laughs> which is which is when you get uh like full body tracking. Um, so you can get up to uh, 11 point tracking in VR chat right now, uh, which is pretty cool. It used to just be, I think it was what, seven, something like that. Um, How crazy of a system do you need to run something like that? Uh, so I don't have full body, um, but my headset and two computer monitors uh, are all running at the same time on like a GTX 1070. So, oh my God, yeah. Oh. oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. The, the bottom end of what you need actually isn't, uh, too, too terrible. Like I, I also do visuals, right. Yeah. And so I'll be doing visuals while running VR chat, like on the same PC, like running like Resolume yeah. or like some other, like super GPU intense, <laughs> program yeah, visuals as in like concert visuals yeah. for accompanying a, a performance that's so a, a lot of cpu usage but i will say there, there is a difference between being able to run it and running it well that's true yeah <laughs> I, I would say the ceiling is actually probably unreachably high if you're gonna go all out but in terms of yeah. just being like something that's feasible for kind of a, a pc enthusiast it's definitely uh doable and also it's important to add that you can kind of access this without a headset at all i mean especially vr chat is a platform is something you can just log on like a video game right you can walk around you can see the other people interacting and i mean obviously that's less immersive but it does make it accessible especially because that's a free platform so it is important to kind of bring up kind of the accessibility of that because that can run on a very low-end machine that can run on a quest which isn't even attached to a computer that's just like an independent headset and even that's able to run well, to a limited degree, uh, this platform. Yeah. yeah. So the only way I'm able to run VR chat is through the computer monitor. Because as soon as I put the goggle on, within 15 minutes, my world is spinning. I'm that oh, unlucky get- individual that actually get vertical from VR. So I can't put the whole headset on. I have to run it on the computer. Yeah. Hopefully, honestly, the uh, Apple headset might be better for that because like, 
uh, a lot of the problem when you get motion sick like that is because you're doing something with your body and you're seeing with your eyes something that's a little bit different. And so like with the Apple headset, like they've kind of designed it to be like very, very real time responsive, like because it relies on pass through cameras. Right. Like you, if you've seen like the thing where it like looks at the, the headset and there's like the person's eyes behind them. Yeah. So so um, is it because of lag? Is that the yeah. the reason why? Yeah. People oh. get sick in VR oh. mostly because of lag. Yeah. I was about to say, because we, when we went, to, uh, we used to have a munch at a location that I'm not going to name because they don't sponsor us and I don't want to give them free air. But <laughs> um, <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> uh, but basically they, they used to have this one giant area just like VR um, what do you call them? Not toys. Uh, it's a VR PlayStation. Uh, Playstations yeah. and stuff. And I would get, when I would be on it, I would immediately just get vertigo and I would get motion sickness and all. So you said it's just lag, really. I mean, that's it's partly lag and partly just like, I mean, if you jump in a VR, like in a VR game, right, with yeah. your controller, like you're going to see yourself going off the ground, but you don't feel yourself right. actually jumping, right? So like that's another oh. thing. It's really just anytime there's a difference between what you're seeing and what you're feeling. Yeah, it's 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 a lot more than just like physical movement as well. Because for me, like, for example, if you're in a, a crowded club, like there's a there's points where the sound is like exiting speakers. If someone's close to you, their voice will be quieter or louder. If they're far away, their voice will be quieter. Right. But in VR, someone far away can have a super loud mic and someone right next to you can <laughs> have a quiet mic and the music can be playing at a constant volume. To the whole world and to me that creates like the worst whiplash because that, like that is just not representative of how sound works but i'm um, in vr chat and just on a software level you can fix that like they have this feature now where you can like set a radius and like anyone outside of that is like a certain degree quieter and anyone like you can only really hear people in, within that radius and like also people making That's... kind of the spaces can like create acoustics in the way the sound interacts with it kind of in a realistic way so there is ways around that. But yeah, there's a lot more than just movement to creating kind of an immersive experience. And for me, that, that made me real sick for a long time until they added kind of features to, to so fix that with the audio. Cool. So um, no, that's amazing. So would, because you you guys have experienced that where you go to a club and, you know, you know, how, you know, reality, the sound of reality actually works. And then you said it gave you whiplash and you got sick. Um, when you say sick, do you mean like motion sick uh, i don't even know how to describe more, it like, more like more just it? a headache because headache. yeah because it's like you know it's it just whiplash in the sense that like things are it's it just like overwhelming yeah because there's too many sounds and they're all unpredictable like i said people far away can be really loud someone right next to you you can't hear and then like everything just interacts kind of in an overwhelming way but like i said uh, technology is getting better where we can kind of surpass that but the, the thing with movement like jenna was saying jumping yeah. in vr but not in real life like that's something that it's gonna be hard to to overcome with with just software, but the, the audio stuff you can you can work on a bit more easily. I mean, that's really cool because you guys mentioned the vests earlier. Um, mm-hmm. So in 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 the infancy of uh, this technology, uh, this type of uh, uh, virtual reality world, like, do, can you do you guys know like how it started as far as like virtual reality? Was this just something that um, you know? some gamers just thought of doing like, because I don't know the, the origins of people wanting to create a virtual reality world and live in it and, you know, have all these, um, uh, uh, cultures inside. Yeah. I I would compare this or I would say the origins of this are less in the VR technology and more just kind of in the kind of online community space. Cause everything from just like early internet forums, 
like in the early internet to then things like Second Life, which are kind of like oh, Second like, Life, like proto yes. VR chat, even though that, that had no VR component, but it still served like the exact same function. I would say a lot of the early creators in VR chat probably came from Second Life or, or similar types of platforms. Wait, and, what is Second Life? Okay, Second Life. For people that don't know about it. Yeah. So Second Life is a essentially a like fully customizable like life simulator. Um, they created this giant, giant world and you can walk around it. You can, you know, get cars and, and make art and interact with friends and do all the stuff that you would normally do in real life just online. Um, it, yeah. you know, was a big thing like like over a decade ago yeah. um, and it kind of died. And like developers from it have like kind of gone off and tried to make their own projects uh, of like, you know, a VR second life or like a different kind of second life or whatever. But yeah, the, the overall concept was, it was literally just a social application yeah, that, that have, predates social media as well. Yes. So have you, have you played the Sims before? Yeah. Okay. So for, for people who don't know, it's who don't know what second life is. It's kind of like the Sims where you create a character that is your avatar in a virtual world, but other people haven't created, they're avatars and you just interact that way. Right. Um, since he actually had classes during COVID in Second Life, so we had legit classes with video. We had white performance video from one of my um, performances with Sensei, like four people to watch in Second Life. And when I played Second Life on my computer, that's when I realized I my rig sucks. <laughs> um, and then, oh, and just the amount of things you can do. Like there, there are people who had avatars and... People were selling clothing on yep. there for money. People were selling land. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. And they were making a ton of money. So like it's oh wow. It's Wait, just, like virtual, like yeah. virtual yeah. land. Like this yeah. is, this is pre, well, like pre NFT. NFTs. Yeah. Holy shit! You just you know you guys just connected that for me because I remember the whole metaverse or whatever, and people like it's the next frontier. We're gonna make millions selling land. I'm like, oh, that's horseshit. And then. You just made me realize they were doing that in Second Life. They it's were doing be, that yeah. in Second Life. Wait. And then like NFTs happened and then the like people who were making NFTs were like, hey, we can just make scarcity. Like <laughs> we can just make a limited amount of land and then people will just buy it for whatever ridiculous ass price we put it at. Yeah, let's take this thing that already exists and make it uh, unnecessarily, unnecessarily more complicated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you said that uh, your sensei has done stuff on... Um, Second Life. Yes. Would it be possible to do it in VR now? Yeah. No. You, oh my God! You made that connection for me. No. Right. Like. Yeah. Oh, I know. Shit. I know someone that does like guided meditation in uh, VR. I know they've done some like business related like business meetings in VR. I know they've done educational stuff like museum exhibits. There's, like there's there's entire interactive like art museums in VR chat. There's also a fully functioning gym. Get the VR fuck chat. out of here. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, okay, so so hear me out. This guy used to be a YouTuber, okay. right? And he quit being a YouTuber to start a gym in VR. And people actually, like, pay for memberships. They do classes. Like, it's a regular thing. And it's awesome. I, it's, like, super cool. I imagine it, though. It, obviously, it has to be, like, like yoga, stretching, uh, body weight stuff, I'm assuming. It's, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of more body weight stuff, as yeah. far as I'm aware. Um but like, yeah, it's, but yeah, people are oh my very, very active there. And it's like all of Sorry. the stuff that they're doing is kind of like gamified and like put into a VR space. Right. So like, you know, if you have like 
uh, a squat and you're like trying to hold a squat for a certain amount of time, like that timer might appear in your vision somewhere like or it might be like, you know, some scoreboard off to the side and it'll show like everyone and how long they were able to squat for or like stuff like that that's fucking cool oh my god yeah (laughs) yeah when you're hooked up to a computer and it's like tracking all your movements it turns out there's a lot you can do with that information and even outside of just like um kind of more well just in the space of of business like there's also entire trade shows in vr as well where you can like interact with a vendor and then like use a like use a link in the game to just like immediately purchase something oh my so it's basically any like most most interactions you can do in like a physical storefront you can do so in a vr space as do, well do they interact like paypal or something into so, like how does it work okay so um there's the the major kind of like trade show in vr chat is called vcat um it's a japanese event mostly um but like all sorts of like japanese like animation companies even like disney has had like booths there and so like you'll walk up to a, like a digital thing that they sell, you know, maybe some 3d model of something or piece of clothing that you can put on your avatar or whatever it is. And you can open up like a little UI, like next to the thing you click on a link and it just opens up that link in your browser. And so then like later on, when you take your headset off, it's just the product page is right there. You can just buy it if you want. That's fucking cool. Yeah. It's super cool. Like, okay. So, uh, you know, I'm having a come to Jesus moment right now. (laughs) Because uh, at first when I heard about VR and the world in there and that people inhabit, I thought um, I was dismissive. You know, I was like, oh, you know, how is this going to affect the real world? Like, you know, it's not the same. But uh, as you guys are talking about this, I'm like, as you said, uh, the access for people who don't normally have it, um, as well as being able to be in spaces you don't normally get to attend because of your location like this. Yeah, like I, it's popping for me more than anything. Thank yeah. you. I, I'm really glad that you said that because probably the biggest revelation for me is one, we're real spoiled living here in the LA area <laughs> yes. um, in terms of options of entertainment yeah. and just kind of access to media and just uh, commerce in general. But the amount of people I've met from all over that live in either underdeveloped countries or really low population areas or places that are just a dozen hours away from kind of the nearest source of, you know, these types of entertainment and media and they flock to VR and like it gives them really access to these, these types of communities. I mean, especially for kind of the music scene, like as someone that, you know, has like hosted events in the past, we always say like, you're, you're limited to the people that are one willing to go to that event. And then two are, you know, in the proximity of that. But with this, like your audience can be everyone on earth. Like literally that sounds hyperbolic, but but it's I mean, fucking true. Yeah, yeah. if you as can create an immersive ex- internet, right? Yeah, as long yeah. as you can create an immersive experience that's accessible to anyone with, you know, access to that, like, and you can emulate that experience pretty one to one. Like, you suddenly brought in your audience, like, to literally everyone. It really is kind of a new frontier. And like I said, we're in the infancy of this technology. This is the worst it's ever going to be. So, <laughs> it's definitely. I, I don't know if we're quite quite there yet or we're definitely not there yet at the moment but things are rapidly you know developing in a a really cool direction i think yeah i mean you look at all the stuff that people do in vr chat and you realize that it's using like the default rendering engine in the unity game engine which is like i love unity yeah yeah so like unity can look very good but the like the default way that it renders things is just like terrible it's like so (laughs) hard to work with Um, And so like a lot of people in VR nowadays are kind of waiting for maybe possibly a new uh, 
like platform that is in Unreal can, rather than Unity. Oh man, can Unreal you, is crazy. Can you imagine when AI starts doing the rendering? I mean, yeah, but like we already have that? like like Unreal can like handle if you if you've seen Fortnite Dude. recently, it can handle like millions and millions of polygons and like particles and and stuff like that and it's like the lighting engine in it is like beautiful dude uh the like the new real-time lighting engine and so like yeah all of those things like everyone wants to take advantage of that but um so just just to interrupt real quick for for everyone who doesn't know about like um rendering engines and things like that so if you've ever watched mandalorian or any Disney show, like all those spaces that uh, they shoot in the TV series, they look photo real because they are using the Unreal Engine, which is formerly a game engine. Now they use for Hollywood just straight up. Um, so they don't have to go to a location. They literally just build it in a computer and then they shoot it. Um, it's fucking crazy. Like it looks so real. Yeah, like that- if you've. If you've ever seen the behind the scenes videos of the Mandalorian where they just zoom out and you see that they're just standing on and in front of an LED screen. It's just a screen like the whole thing. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. It lights the whole scene naturally. But yeah, the the, the word unreal is becoming less and less accurate because it's literally getting completely photoreal, like sometimes like better looking than than real life because like things like cameras and kind of like, you know, distortion through lenses and stuff is not a factor. Like you're literally creating like a perfectly simulated yeah, we've, location. We've, we've <laughs> come a long way since long Unreal Tournament. Way. <laughs> like leaps and bounds. Like, uh, again, uh, remember when Pong was, a, the, uh, it wasn't Pong. One of the first video games, uh, it was Pong. No, it was Pong. It's just two little things just like going back and forth. And that was like the graphics of, and people were like, oh shit, like. And then it got better, and then you had a, like Mario. Oh shit! Yeah. Look at those graphics. Like people, like people's minds bit. were blown by Super Mario sixty four. Yeah, yeah like, there's there's I memes remember when there. people were getting <laughs> mind blown by Final Fantasy seven. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah there, there, there's memes out there where it's like you could put a picture of Pong or some something earlier. It's like when I was a kid. I thought, you know, we'd have flying cars or something, but instead I'm now like a cat girl in a, like a virtual <laughs> club online, <laughs> like, like DJ or something like that. That's, no one expected that direction, but, but that's where we are. Like you we've come what? a long way for sure. It's a good direction. Uh, I don't like people. Fly- you want a flying car, get a helicopter license. You know, there you go. There's your flying car. True. Now we have just cars learn, drive Just learn how to fly oh in VR. God. And like, then that's, uh, yeah, uh, dude, like uh, for, for anyone who hasn't, um, if you look up the Unreal, is it Unreal Five or is, Unreal Five is yeah. the newest one? Yeah, look up Unreal Five on YouTube, and you can see the uh, absolute craziness of how uh, the tech, the software and technology has gotten like this far. Um, but yeah, that that'd be insane, like to have Unreal like in a headset, like yeah, we're getting. And it's so funny. I remember watching The Matrix. I'm like, oh, that's horseshit. That'll never happen. And now we're here. I'm like, fuck, I think I'm already in it. Like, I think we're living in it already. A little bit. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah, There's an element of like encroaching dread. The the more I've got into this technology, because I'm like, damn, like this is probably, well, not the only, but this is one of the technologies in our lifetime that I can see having one of the biggest cultural shifts. And like I said, we're not there yet, but like the more I've the more I've kind of been enveloped in the scene, like the more I'm starting to to kind of get foresight into that. And I feel like most people have not woken up to that yet. I mean, a lot of people are really catching on to things like AI. Oh my god, um, which yeah. I, I think is is equally going to be as culture shifting. But because the technology is a little less accessible and also a little less developed, uh, people haven't really woken up to VR being on that level. But I definitely can see that. Yeah, being pretty much a huge just because. Yeah, it just requires different hardware and like that's where you lose people. 
is like when when you say like okay you have to in addition to your gaming pc that you spent however much money on oh yeah now on top of that you have to spend like another thousand plus dollars on like a headset and then you're spending another 500 plus dollars on full body tracking you know you're spending uh you know money on extra base stations and like if things break they're like incredibly expensive to fix but at the same time like because that community is so small, like everyone's pushing each other to make it as good as it can possibly be, yeah. you know, to justify the <laughs> giant price tag yeah. you know, and to, it, to access a free platform. It's funny because like we talk about the expenses of a specific uh, things that people are into. However, like you could say that about anything. So when I hear someone complain like, oh, you got to spend this much. It's like, yeah, like people spend tens and thousands of dollars if not like in the thirty thousand dollars in like personal gyms at home Mm -hmm. and you're telling me that a headset a good computer like that's out of your ballpark like come on um or people who like just collect cars and car parts and things like that so i don't know Uh, i mean the good news is as technology progresses it actually gets cheaper so you know if you think about 20 years ago when you buy a large screen tv it cost thousands and thousands thousands. yeah now like you get walmart (laughs) 9.99 for like the same tv that's skinnier lighter and better graphics you go to costco (laughs) exactly speaking of tv i'll just buy 10 of them whatever you can put on a vr headset now and simulate the experience of being in a theater and watching something on a 400 foot screen without owning one yourself like when you say like things are only getting cheaper and we're talking about like you said building a home gym can cost you know upwards of tens of thousands of dollars like once vr gets a bit more accessible it might completely replace like the need for some of these things and also for a lot of these hobbies like i'm saying like just with the tv like you might not need a tv anymore everyone can just throw a cheap headset on and they can all be in a shared theater experience like you might not need to buy a nice car you can just simulate driving one photorealistically and just do that for fun like with no hazards like i really can't see it like replacing a lot of these hobbies not completely but like in tandem with that but like i said we're just on the cusp of being quite capable of that but that's why i was saying like people haven't quite woken up to, to kind of the possibility of that quite yet, I think. You think it's ever going to get integrated into like the cell phone and everything? Just, oh, your cell phone? <laughs> yeah, no, because a cell phone is the integration of a camera, the phone, okay. calculator, everything else so, all together in one, right? I mean, so it, I think like the end goal, like for a lot of companies at the current moment is like fitting all of this stuff into like a glasses form factor, mm-hmm. right? And so like, yeah, then you don't need a phone. Like if you're if you have like a microphone and a head like and a speaker that are built into a pair of glasses, like why what do you need a So everyone would have for? an Iron Man H U D just walking around. <laughs> right. I, guess. I guess the phone can kind of act as like kind of remote processing for right. a very lightweight headset. Yeah. So you just like their phone is essentially a pretty powerful computer yeah. you can carry around with you. So And like yeah. yeah. And like the new Apple headset, for instance, like is more powerful than their cheapest MacBook. And it fits oh, in the headset. Oh God! Oh, wow. that's insane. Yeah, it's got a, it's got both an M2 and an entire chip that's only for the sensors. So, yeah. so then, how come Google Glass just kind of died? Like, what uh, happened? Because there? the term glass hole was invented. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it died. That's, I, that's <laughs> my first time hearing that. that please is great. Please, please explain yeah, this. So, it's like when when Google Glass like first started being a thing. First of all, like the tech was not there at all. Like they were really just like. You know, it was a really low resolution thing. Like it had to be like very simple stuff. But like that 
the way that it looked like people would were starting to wear them and like people would call those people glass holes just because they were like spending like thousands of dollars on like the shittiest possible screen <laughs> to put on their face that like looked ridiculous you know what i mean like yeah, i yeah. mean people could say that about us now with bulky stuff because that's only going to get better yeah but yeah. i don't wear my vr headset in, in public, in public. Yeah, yeah, yeah that 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 is a big difference i i saw this picture that kind of filled me with dread but it was also quite funny it was like a family in a restaurant and the parents are saying they're talking and the kid is just in a booth with a vr headset on like probably who knows what they're doing but like just in public like that i'm like is that where we're heading where you're like you're out out in on the town but in reality you're just sitting at home or you're just in some virtual space like to me that's a thing society has not quite explored yet that I don't know how I feel about uh, quite yet, but we'll see. Well, not, not to throw anyone under the bus, so they shall re- uh, be na- uh, remain nameless. But I remember like seeing someone parenting their kid by uh, putting them putting their kids who are like four and five like in a headset and just seeing them get lost in the sauce for like hours and hours. Like they didn't run around, they didn't cause any trouble, but there was just something I don't know weird about that for me, you know. Yeah. Maybe I'm old school and I feel like kids should have some like that can't be healthy. That can't be healthy. I mean, right? I, I think that like anytime like parents are turning to technology to parent their kids for them is where it becomes an issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel like it is very possible to, you know, barring research saying otherwise, like it, it's very possible to have like a fun experience in a VR setting with your own child you know what i mean oh too, but yeah, like yeah. to just like throw the headset on them and just like be like okay jimmy like go yeah quick, you know go look at cat girl titties like it's just like quick anecdote on that um this is something i actually experienced myself uh, i won't say who but uh they were one to just kind of give their kid a tablet or cell phone at a very young age i'm talking like two and three oh, years wow. old and they told me they said yeah um my kid was looking at a, a book and they were trying to swipe on the pictures to move them around like a tablet and they like couldn't make that connection that that's that was not the same <laughs> type of things and like there's already like observable like we already have the data on kind of technology's influence on on early development and that's just from like a more rudimentary thing i can't even imagine something like vr that like replaces your perception uh not having a severe impact on that so i mean the data is not quite there yet. I can't, oh, yes. I can't make a definitive so, statement, so but that, you, that seems scary to do me. Do you think VR in the future might be regulated? Like, oh, you got to be 15 and up to use VR. It sounds like, like some I mean, Chinese I, shit, dude. That, it does, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think like there's like the platforms are doing that. Like, uh, I think like, you know, VR chat's terms of service is like, th- it's a 13 plus platform. Uh, I'm pretty sure like, even like Steam VR has so like an age limit, you know. Yeah. I mean, sure, but like y- you can only do so much, especially in America, right? Like, oh my God, yeah. to keep parents from, you know, feeling any like. I mean, like parents are gonna plus, try and not be responsible for their kids, right? And yeah. like, you can't really avoid that. But I mean, how many of us went to a porn site and when it said, "Are you eighteen and over?" <laughs> you know, click no, <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, the the cup of alcohol in your hand as a teenager doesn't is it incapable of of entering your body. You know, you could just <laughs> yeah. just as easily access that and drink that. And you know, like like you were saying, you can't really dictate what parents can do, but it does add kind of like a new layer of uh, a new variable of problems that I can absolutely see uh, continuing continuing to develop. But I think the more people learn about this stuff and kind of the more mainstream it becomes, I would imagine that would be pretty taboo. But we're kind of in the wild west of that right now. So the, there's not really data to, to tell people not to do that. 
definitively. So it is, it is a bit concerning. Yeah. Um, so it, man, we're already, well, we're, since we're talking about <laughs> would be problems and things like that, um, with any technology and software that like there's, there's the highlights and then there's like the ugly underbelly. Um, for that, I would love to ask you guys, like, what do you see would be a, you know, future problems if, if not already current problems when it comes to virtual reality, um, let alone like, um, specific, um, communities that are in there, like the clubbing stuff. And, uh, as we said, like dungeons, there's like VR dungeons in there now, um, uh, when gyms and all that stuff. I, so. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Have, have, have you, you ever, have ahead. you seen sword art online? Which one? Sword yeah. art online. Sword art. Yes. Yeah, I have yes. seen it. Uh, um, so you know the the I can't, I can't remember the name of the like the guild of people that was just going around killing everyone. I I don't remember. Um, yeah. So like you know, of course, VR chat comes around, and you know, some kids have seen Sword Art Online, and so they just like started like hacker groups and stuff like that. Like that, like that was a huge problem for a long, long time, and it still kind of is to a degree, but like it's not nearly as bad as it was because they added anti cheat to VR chat to avoid it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Imagine a social game having anti-cheat, I, I, but I, yeah. I think the I think the root cause of the development of kind of toxic communities like that is something that all online communities face, and that's anonymity. Oh yeah. man! The fact yeah. that you can simulate a face-to-face interaction with someone while still being completely anonymous to me is one of the biggest sources of issues in the VR community. But you also see it on things like Twitter and other social yeah. media. But because of kind of the extra layer of intimacy when it comes to VR, like I think is way more toxic. For example, like you can, people can say that they're anything. People can pretend to be anyone they want yeah. and people have no way of verifying that. And it creates these essentially creates delusion and creates like really weird misplaced ego and really toxic. I'm serious. Like really oh, no, toxic no, I, I mindsets. Agree, yeah. yeah. So, and, so how is moderation or is there any moderation done in um, VR? So yeah, so the VR chat team is like pretty small, um, and they do occasionally moderate users, uh, very very occasionally. Um, but a lot of it is like self moderated. Like it is very as as DJ was saying, like wild wild west to a degree. Oh. Um, and so like I mean at the at the very beginnings, like when the like whole hacking and uh, you know doing like crashing people's games and trying to fry people's GPUs with shaders and stuff like that was like a big thing. Like people who were like not trying to have that done to everyone else would have like their own countermeasures that they had coded. And like, it was just this big like game of cat and mouse where it was just like, Damn. People were just like doing like worse and worse stuff and like modifying their game files. So they could just do whatever they wanted. Yeah. And so like, yeah, so like there was that and then the anti-cheat like added another layer of moderation there. And then on top of that now there's like a uh, group functionality. Mm-hmm. Um so you can kind of like create a group in in VR chat now. Uh and it allows you to create like your own instances of worlds so that you can like only invite people who you've invited to a specific group into that space. And so like that certainly helps to a degree because there's kind of that granularity of going from a totally public instance of a world to a totally private one. Yeah. And like, there's all the in-betweens. Yeah. And you know, one of the benefits of an online space is if you don't want to interact with someone, you can just block them. They, they disappear. You yeah. can't, you can't hear them. They can't interact with you. You can't interact with them. Yeah. And you know, everyone has the power to do that, but 
you know, you can say that about all social media platforms and that's, that's not stopping people from having toxic interactions. And like I said, with the extra layer of, of intimacy with that, you know, people might get the same experience as like getting into uh, you know, toxic interaction in real life and equate that in an almost identical way to something in VR. And even though they have the power to, you know, block that person, mute that person, like that doesn't mean those interactions aren't going to happen. So it, it, oh, yeah. there is a lot of toxicity that can come from that. But, you know, with the added moderation, you know, with the forming of communities, with the forming of kind of group functions, like that will get reduced. But that, that, always, that always is going to be a factor, I think. We do have one question from our online audience. Uh, one of the questions is, are you protected under the group you joined in, like from hacking, for instance, so, like the private groups? Um, so, I mean, that kind of is on the same page with like the self-moderation stuff. Like uh, there are no like necessarily like people aren't as like protective of each other as that. I don't think like, of course, there's like the general, uh, you know, everyone's who's bit getting invited into the group. Like people make sure that they're cool before okay, they yeah. do it, you know, but past that you can't really do that yeah. much. You know, think of it like having your regular friend group in real life. You can exactly. say, you know, is yeah. there a protection against from someone fucking you over yeah. in real life? And it's like, well, you have to, you know, choose who you hang out with and yeah. choose who your friends are. And it's, exactly. it's a similar case. Like, Just the type of, the type of uh, negative interactions are a bit different online, but it is the same philosophy, I think. No, that's cool. It, it, like there's a vetting process, everybody. Uh, <laughs> and it reminds me of, like we, when we hold smunches and things like that, like we, um, for the public munches, there's no like vetting process. If you show up and you're cool, it's great. If you're not, then we just kick you out or it's just really awkward for the next two hours. Um, and I had a friend who did that where they brought a, f well, I thought it was a friend, turned out to be a complete stranger from the internet to this munch. And then they proceeded to basically badger me for like two hours and telling me how wrong I am at everything. And like, that's awkward. I wanted to murder them. Like I wanted to throw them in traffic and then throw myself in traffic. Um, <laughs> like it was so bad. There, there is a photo of me with the most disgusted face in my entire life. Um, from how much I hated talking to him. I would love to see that photo. That's oh, incredible. Like, uh, but anyways, uh, moderation. So like, uh, but, but that's the point. Like there's only so much you can do in reality and virtual reality when it comes to like, vetting who comes through because they could act nice in the beginning and then once they're inside they could just be a total dick yeah they can be a completely different person than who they say they were like yep. i was saying before like that layer of anonymity is a huge source of a lot of the toxicity in in a way that is not unique to vr but i think is very exacerbated mm. by it in a kind of unique way that that's really hard to describe unless you've experienced it because there, there's one thing about for example someone on twitter making a hot taker or, or making some some bold statement. It's another thing with someone essentially living a, a, a different two-faced second life, yeah. you know, and interacting in an almost face-to-face -face way. And I'm not saying that's normal. I'm just saying that's completely, like, uh, the door to that is completely open, like, with no way around it. So, you know, the people that are willing to do that will do that. It, it, it's, it creates kind of a very bizarre uh, kind of trust when you're interacting with people in that way. Cause like I said, the, the door is completely open to that. And it's, it's not something you really have to think about unless you're in a space like that. Mm. Uh, yeah. Like with the anon anonymity of like the internet and, and these interactions and all the online bullying that happens and stuff. Um, like again, I, I used to be one of those guys when I heard like online bullying because the anonymity, I just be like, well, just fucking turn off the, like, just don't do it, block them. <laughs> but then when you are, Basically, uh, what's the word when you're harassed online? Is it 
cyberbullying. Cyberbullying. Yeah. No, no, there was a specific doxed or something like that. Oh, yeah. no, doxed Do- is doxing when is they put your address and phone number and shit. Oh, like a little more extreme version of that shit. Like somehow they find it and they dox you. Um, and then when I heard about that, I was like, oh no, this is like some serious shit. Yeah. Um, the, where was the point of this? Well, I mean, oh, there you go. So the point of this was, uh, for instance, when you're a public figure like online, one of my favorite um, political uh, commenters, like she's female. Every time she posts something, like the amount of like sexual and harassing comments from YouTube, just flat out and just very sexist remarks, almost immediately like is fucking alarming. Like you can't, there's only so many times you can block someone and ignore things before you eventually see it and like have it like in your face. Um, so yeah, that sucks. So the thing with VR though is it's one thing the to have a bunch of comments and that has a huge toll on you. Now imagine someone walking up to your face in VR and saying that directly to you in like a live interaction. And, you know, those are two different things, but like, I think that's another layer of harassment that's possible with that. And, you know, getting negative comments like is already, I like observably takes extreme tolls Mm. on people's health. So I'd say this kind of, thing is almost is more unexplored than that and potentially Speak, more harmful speaking of uh blocking uh are, can you block people on yeah. vr oh, yeah. so if you block someone in vr chat like you disappear for them they disappear for <laughs> they you no longer exist you so, can't hear them they can't hear you yeah they just know so longer then the exist. question the question is then let's say we're all in the same room and i have you blocked and he's talking to you. Do I just see him talk yep. to like a random? Yep. Like nobody real awkward. <laughs> real you, awkward. You, you would see him talking to an open space. Oh wow! Okay. Literally, <laughs> not even not even like a robot or anything. Like it, you're just gone. Like the, oh wow! So they could just erase you from existence. The, the really fun one is when someone doesn't know they're blocked. And they have to find out in a group <laughs> conversation that someone can't perceive them without their knowledge of being blocked. That's that's the real fun interaction to witness. And that like back, you know, in like twenty twenty one ish, like uh VR chat had this like great issue where occasionally it would just randomly block someone on your friends list. And so like like there was always this like awkward moment of like, did you did you actually block me because you don't like me or did you just get screwed by VR chat and like now we have to have this conversation? <laughs> yeah, or like uh, your audio randomly gets muted and someone thinks you're ignoring them. Like I said, when you add the layer of like live, almost face-to-face interaction yeah. plus the quirks of technology, like you accidentally create social kind of uh, social situations that you just do not encounter normally and that no one is prepared for. And yeah, I could... It could get real silly. Yeah. For, like, uh, just one quick anecdote. Um, my Discord account got compromised. Oh, no. And I had to make a new one. But the thing is, a lot of people, especially, like, that I knew in the VR space, that was my only way to contact them. Oh, no. And I was in the middle of a transaction where I would commissioned something, and they sent it to me, and I needed to pay them. But the thing is, my account got compromised in the mid, like, during that process, and they thought I like had blocked them after they I had received their art and was like scamming oh, no. them. Oh. And I could I like it took me like a couple of weeks to do that, but they were already like ta- talking shit and, yeah. and mad. And I was like, shit, like what? How do you go about that? But obviously, that's not like unique to VR. But like, there's just situations like that yeah. that just the quirks of technology, you know. Yeah. Like on the on the sillier side, you know, like the less less dark is like 
you know, when somebody uh, accidentally like like occludes their hip tracker, so like it's not visible to their base station, and their their hip just goes flying. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you, you you go into pretzel mode where your whole body yeah. like it like collapses in on itself, or yeah, there, there's all sorts of, of fun quirks. Or when um you crash and someone you know thinks you're just like leaving mid sentence, but like you just disappear, or you're just standing there frozen and silent for a while, and then you just vanish. And like you know, it could create like a weird, a weird mindset where it's like, did I was that person ignoring me? Did they just alt forge? Like you know, what, so what, what, they, just ex- they just rage quit. Like what is happening? Uh, I remember back in the MySpace days when you could like. Um, Put who's your friends on a, your on a fucking list. Oh, your yeah. top friends and shit. Do you remember that, dude? I never had a MySpace. You know that was no, real no. Fu- toxic dude. in middle school. Yes. For me. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, I, sorry, it just reminded me of that where uh, you know, creating awkward situations where, like, I don't know. In How high dare school. you not have me on your MySpace page? Yeah. Like, I remember my, uh, one of my friends got mad at me. Like, you, man, wh- how come I'm number, like, fucking five on your list? Because like, my fucking family's first. Like, what are you, okay. Right. You have nine friends, and eight of them are your top friends, and then that one friend is nine. <laughs> yeah. and, they, and they publicly see that for they're everyone. Like, they're they're, oh, they're talking about cyberbullying. Like, that, that, like, almost invented cyberbullying. Like, seriously, that, that, was, that was the Wild West of social media. And, you know, that's only evolved to, to new yeah, frontiers. Like, yeah. As you said, like uh, there's these avatars that you create now in these virtual worlds, and I I kind of imagine that um, just like in the scene, like you create this persona that you wouldn't normally be um, in your day to day life, but you can be in this specific kind of community. Um, you said like being a cat boy and stuff like that. I imagine that there's all sorts of things like that, like a a, a dog girl, a cat boy, people walking around looking like dragons and shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, so like the kind of domineering aesthetic in vr chat is like the anime aesthetic to some degree yeah uh like pretty much all of the avatars that people use uh or like the kind of base avatars that people edit like have some sort of roots in that kind of like anime aesthetic with like you know bigger eyes and like kind of pointier features and and stuff like that um but yeah i mean like there's also like really incredible like furry avatar designers who are making like essentially like the perfect ideal of what a fursuit could be you know what i mean yeah um are they doing it for money uh yeah actually (laughs) there there are some people huge yeah there are some people i know who have spent hundreds of dollars if not more than that on their avatars on just one avatar like you you like people will like buy like one of these bases they'll be like 80 dollars on like gumroad or booth or something oh my god and like then they'll go and they'll buy like all of these different outfits for them (laughs) Right. That are they're like already proportioned perfectly for yeah. the for the avatar. And like each one of those is going to be like another 10 bucks on top of it. And it's just like that's not even talking about a custom commission and custom commissions go for five to ten times more than that. A lot of the time um, I know I know people who have spent like eight hundred dollars on a custom avatar. Yeah. It's, oh, my God. Yeah. It's kind of created an interesting thing where because like we were saying, it's kind of like the wild west of this content. It's created kind of created a catalyst for a lot of like amateur artists as well. A lot of people that probably wouldn't not have gotten into 3D modeling or, or Unity development because they've kind of gotten into this community first. It's kind of inspired them to kind of get into this. And because the bar is kind of questionable at where it's set, like, you know, there, there's room for, for amateur artists. There's room for professional artists, like all in the same space. And it really kind of has created a community around that. And, you know, the people are making money off this as well is that where we got uganda knuckles oh yeah, yeah you, you, uganda knuckles is yeah <laughs> okay 
Explain that because I don't your, know. Your, your, your look of confusion right now is uh, <laughs> is warranted, I think. Uh, how do you? If, so if you ever saw me, those, like, yeah, the, there's like you the know YouTube, the way? yeah, the do you know the way? So, okay, now that sounds familiar. Okay, so yeah, it's it, yeah, that was kind of before VRChat went mainstream. And when you see content or just like media of this game out of context, it really, especially like if you have no knowledge of what it is. Uh, it could be really kind of jarring because it's just so different from anything else. And the origin of that meme, for anyone unfamiliar, people, there's this like really like cursed Knuckles as a Knuckles from like Sonic the Hedgehog avatar. It was like all like warped and really short. It, there is just a trend of groups of people in that avatar, like following people around and like doing these like silly accents and just like saying all sorts of silly stuff. But uh, I kind of want to just briefly talk about my very first interaction in VR chat because it kind of aligns Please. with this really well. I love telling this story. So the reason the very first time I played VR chat was actually way before the pandemic. I, I guess really started getting into it during the pandemic, but I tried it out. And the reason I tried it out is that that movie Ready Player One had come out. And obviously there's like the whole element of like a, a VR chat like experience in that. And my friend was like, oh, who needs Oasis, which is like the software in the book when you have VR chat. And I'm like, what is that? And he's like, it's essentially the same thing. So I went in with no knowledge at all. And the first thing I encountered was the Ugandan Knuckles thing, obviously. <laughs> but my first real interaction was I went into this world. It was just kind of like a big, like, wireframe room. And I'm like, oh, there's a lot of people in here. I'll join this world. So I join in. And there's, like, maybe eight people in a circle talking. And all of their avatars are goofy, like, from Mickey Mouse. And I walk up to them. And I'm like, what's going on? And the guy looks at me. And he goes, we're just goofing around. And then they all start doing the goofy laugh. And I literally almost, like, pissed myself. I wish I was recording my screen because that was like the funniest shit I had ever seen. That's like a uniquely VR oh, chat. Shit. That's I, a uniquely <laughs> VR chat experience. Like to this day, that it fucking kills me. It's it's so good. That is amazing. <laughs> All right, so sorry. No, no, I love that story. Uh, however, we do need to take a commercial break, uh, and then we'll be right back in a few minutes. So, a word from our sponsors first. Um, and happy to, uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes. Our sponsor today is Sake, your local neighborhood kink group that runs its own dungeon, has its own classes and parties and events on a monthly basis. You can find our munches every third Thursday for networking and friendship, as well as our parties every fourth Friday of each month. So if you're looking for a safe space to get weird, look no further and have no fear. But if you can't make it and want to support us elsewhere, we do have our own Etsy this time, which you can find on sakeofficial.etsy.com. And don't forget to use the discount code Niches and Leashes to get your discount on all website products. So huge shout out and big thank you to Sake for keeping the lights on and the cameras rolling for Niches and Leashes. And we're back. So um, I want to thank all of our viewers for um, basically supporting this podcast as well as supporting um, all of our sponsors, which... Again, our sponsors is ourselves, so we keep them, you know, <laughs> we keep, like the fact that you guys are doing this keeps sake open, which keeps uh, our spaces open and our parties open, as well as this podcast and everything I do with my education series. And now we're going back into the world of VR, specifically the music and concert scene with our wonderful guests, which I'm going to reintroduce to everybody. Let's start with Juno. Juno, please describe... Hey. Um, what you do, the projects you're working on, um, specific to VR. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm Juno. I've been uh, producing electronic music for well over a decade at this point. Um, I currently, in VR, uh, 
do a little bit of a lot of things. Uh, kind of my main passion is DJing and making music. Uh, but I also am a uh, visualist, like a concert visualist. So I uh, also do all of the pretty pixels behind the DJs. Um, and on top of that, I kind of help run uh, a virtual reality nightclub called Sanctum, uh, which was started by my friend Muzz. Um, shout out to Muzz. Shout out to Muzz. Uh, and yeah, that is uh, I, not to toot my own horn, but actually probably the coolest nightclub in VR. Uh, our developers are absolute geniuses. They've been pushing the platform to the absolute limits. Okay. I'm going to ask you what makes it the coolest nightclub. Though, okay. So comparatively, uh, first off three stages. Um, the kind of our main stage is called the reactor. Uh, the screen in that one is a 24 foot tall transparent cylinder. So yeah, I mean like just doing like as a visualist, right? Like doing like some quick math. Like I was like, how much would it cost to actually build this thing in real life? It's like a hundred thousand bucks. Like if you bought all the panels and like did like, like sculpted like acrylic for the transparent parts and like all that kind of stuff. Um, our second stage is kind of more of our community events. Uh, it's called the chapel. Um, the whole venue is in a, uh, it is in like this brutalist future, uh, cathedral. So like the main room is this huge, huge cathedral room with like, uh, like a statue in the front and like all the different stages are off in different wings of this giant, giant space. Uh, and we recently opened up our third stage, which has no screen in it and only has DMX lighting. So we actually have people who do actual DMX lights in real life and they will come in and they will program a light show for the whole night. And all of this is done live and in real time. Holy shit. So if somebody has like a Grand MA and stuff, you can actually plug it in and just yeah. go we nuts actually, on this. We actually have had people on a Grand MA board. That's fucking in, nuts. In, yeah. So cool. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people just, you know, they use their little like APC yeah. 40 or whatever to yeah. control like. QLC Plus was like a free lighting program. Uh, but yeah, some people do use actual MA software, which is super sick. That is fucking cool. I, I love that. Um, but yeah, uh, three stages. Uh, and also it has the single most realistic lighting system of any nightclub in VRChat. Um, our developers uh, essentially have been working for the last like year on making a real time lighting system because, uh, unity's one like that they bundle with, with unity got discontinued. Oh, um, or like, you know, they stopped supporting it. Um, and so we have had to kind of like essentially program unreal's lighting system as a custom shader. Like, yeah, that sounds like so much work. Yeah. And so like, yeah, when you think about it, it's like all these like stage lights are moving around. The screens can have whatever content on it because it's all again live and in real time. Like I'm VJing on Resolume and it's like we might have like a DJ who's in Germany and then they're uh, beaming their music to me. And then I'm beaming half the visuals to another friend of mine who's then combining it with her own visuals and then that all of that goes onto the screen and it's all in like under three or four seconds. <laughs> Technology is so fucking cool, yeah. man. It's kind of nuts. And to introduce, reintroduce our wonderful guest, DJ. Same question, same everything. 
What's everyone? What's up, everyone? I go by DGen. Uh, my background is actually in event production. I co-own a production called EDM and Chill. We're doing uh, events out here in LA, uh, focused around kind of the community around electronic music. Um, I'm also a producer and DJ as well. Produce electronic music and kind of experimental pop music as well. Also a streamer, content creator, kind of just uh, in the online space as well. I've been doing stuff in the VR scene for around three and a half years now. And uh, yeah, just kind of like to dip my toes in anything kind of marrying technology with music. I'm working on a lot of a lot of other music prog a lot of other music projects that are kind of in project in progress, excuse me, outside of the VR space as well. But uh, those are still pending a little bit, so I can have a bit more information about that down the line. But yeah, just really focus on music and kind of marrying that with technology. Um, real quick, since you guys co-own EDM and Chill, could you please describe what EDM and Chill is for everyone out there who wants to like check it out and visit, if you're in the LA area? Sure, yeah. So EDM and Chill is an event production uh, co-owned by uh, myself and also um, our host here, Maddie, and also a couple other you know great production people here in LA. And our focus is really about building a community around electronic music, whether that be enthusiasts, producers, ravers, DJs, anything. Right now we're doing uh, open decks, which are kind of an open format. Any, like anyone can come and perform. Uh, we're doing those every month, uh, kind of on the east side of Los Angeles. Also, we have a lot of plans for doing much bigger events down the line. And everyone that's kind of uh, in the space has a lot of event production experience as well. So we've done anything from you know, large events with hundreds of people to small underground events. And we have a lot of plans for that moving forward with the production. And that's EDM and Jill. You can find us on Instagram. Um, you can check us out. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can see you around at some of our events. Cool. Um, I, I want you guys to paint a picture of what a concert slash club is in the virtual reality. Like I know you describe uh, your club, which is the coolest club ever in virtual reality. <laughs> um, so when it comes to the people that go in, uh, like what, what's that process like getting the, um, uh, the talent to be there? Like what's that like? And the visuals, you say it's like one-to-one -one where like whatever you program in, in, uh, in reality, it just happens in virtual reality too. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so cool. <laughs> so like kind of like the main thing is that we were talking about, we use VR chat as our main platform. So, you know, logging into VR chat, making an account, getting your uh, avatar uh, the way that you want it to look. Um, all of that stuff is kind of like, you know, personal preference, like whether you want to put a lot of effort into your avatar or not any effort and just use one of the default ones that they have. Um, to like actually access a lot of these shows, uh, they're mostly organized through like a combination of discord and Twitter. Um, and so you'll have like discord servers for each of the like different clubs. Um, and then on top of that, you would have like, like every club pretty much like has a Twitter account. Pretty much everyone who is in the scene is using Twitter as their social media. I honestly don't really know how it got, like how Twitter became the thing, but <laughs> You know, it just unfortunately. I mean, look, Twitter was was doing fine until Elon Musk came, until the Fire Nation attack. Um, <laughs> we could talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I think I think Twitter is probably the best place for it is because there's already critical mass of people that's on Twitter, plus uh, the simplicity of that compared to all the other social medias. You yeah, know? I mean, you can post exactly the information you need to post yeah. to organize an event. Yeah, there's, a like, there's a reason everyone uses that for, yeah. for this specifically, but yeah. like I said, it, it's, it's 
there's other factors to that that make it a bit complicated, yeah. but yeah, it, it works well for for this specifically. Yeah, like well, it's just like any other tool. If you use it for a specific thing and just keep to it, it's pretty easy. Um, same thing with like, uh, well, I'm just gonna plug the website, but like FL, like people, you shouldn't use it as a dating app. You should use it just to like find events and like munches and things like that. Anything outside of that, mm, you're gonna have trouble. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to add on a bit too. We're saying like paint a picture of. Uh, what one of these events might look like. So like Gina was saying, they're, they're organized on kind of external platforms because kind of one pitfall of VR chat is, while it can do a lot, it's, it does not act very well as a social media platform. I mean, for That's the longest true. time, you couldn't send a message to someone. Like if you wanted you to just talk barely to someone, can. Yeah, if you wanted to talk to someone, you had to like join on them and walk up to them and tell them something. So, you know, th- there's a lot of social features missing in that capacity. So things are organized on, you know, Discord and Twitter. But, you know, once the event is planned and people are making flyers for these events, you know, they're sending out invitations they're making lineups of DJs. And what that looks like is, you know, you go into VRChat as a platform. Um, There's an instance created, which is kind of just like one uh, kind of one instance of a world. And that world will be the club you join in. And essentially, there'll be a huge screen in the world that's showing someone's Twitch stream. So instead of often the DJ will have their avatar in the world as well. A lot of people will actually DJ with their tracking on so their avatar will often be moving the same like one-to-one with they with how they are in real life obviously that's that's so cool to me it's pretty neat but um there's a lot of different ways to do that you know some people are just on camera so you can you know visibly see them djing in in person as well okay and uh yeah it'll be run like an actual event you know like a dj will do their full hour-long set they'll do a raid which is kind of twitch's way of like moving one audience or an audience from one stream to another the next dj will go and they'll have a whole scheduled event for sometimes for hours Dude, and so cool sometimes off whole festivals that can you, last all weekend yeah actually uh shout outs to a music festival that's coming up uh pretty soon uh sly fest is a thing that happens every year um this year it's pirate themed it's pretty sick um but it's a to- it's a charity festival that goes over two days and it it's all all the money that they raise is to like save the whales Oh, dude, that's yeah. fucking cool. It's super cool. Yeah. Um, and it's like one of the events where like the whole like a bunch of creators from all across the community get together and like work on this one thing. It's like super awesome. But yeah, shout out Slyfest. Yeah. And that, that's everything from, uh, you know, 3D modelers that are actually creating the 3D spaces to, you know, visual artists, to musicians, to just event organizers. You know, that's what I was saying earlier, where it's this whole platform is kind of like a catalyst for a lot of amateur artists and enthusiasts to kind of, you know, dip their toes and get their get their feet wet and, you know, start kind of getting into this this music scene space. And oftentimes that does evolve into, you know, really big projects and really kind of high production value professional things. And it is interesting because, you know, one of the limitations of throwing an event in person is, is money. Oh you know, you, you want to rent out a huge venue, you know, that's going to cost you. You want to rent a bunch of equipment that's going to cost you. But in this space, it, it the investment is really just time and, and talent. You know, if you're really talented, you can make the most gorgeous club in the world that's on the moon you know, for just the cost of your time, if you're, if you're willing to create something like that, and that can be one of like the most mind blowing experiences for, for anyone at really no cost at all. So it does create like a huge kind of jumping off point for a lot of people to really get into the scene that might've had limitations that prevented them from doing that in the first place. And I will say that like, this is very comparable to something like an underground, you know, rave or like a warehouse party or some sort of (laughs) renegade thing. And the community really acts in a similar way as well i i would think Mm because for something like here in la there's a whole culture around kind of renegade underground parties and to seek something like that out you have to be a music enthusiast you know like you're not going to (laughs) stumble upon that randomly and it's the same thing in the vr space like it's one thing to play vr chat it's another thing to play vr chat and specifically seek out 
you know, concerts in that. So you're also attracting, you know, music enthusiasts as well. And it's often people you might not meet normally, you know, might be people in other countries, people that live out in very, you know, small population areas. And there's music enthusiasts out there too. And they don't have the opportunity to go to these types of events in big cities here in LA. So it's, it creates new opportunities for that as well. There are these expensive ass clubbing tickets. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's so fucking cool. Um, my next question, oh, before I go on to my next question. So if you make a club on the moon, that, that's your idea now, right? <laughs> That'd be cool. I, I invite someone to make that. I'm sure that exists already, but yeah, <laughs> you go for it. You can have that one for free. I mean, that's the, the yeah, that's the coolest part is that like you really just can make whatever you want. You know, that's it's cool. like if you want your entire, there's, uh, I remember there's this club that somebody uh, made a community member by the name of Captain Duck. He uh, like, does this like thing every day where he actually just gets every single party flyer for that day and will just post it in a discord and on Twitter super well, uh, like super, uh, appreciated Dude, thing. Yeah. But like he has this one club that he uses for his birthday every year. That's literally just a giant bathtub. Like it's, it's <laughs> that's, like, yeah, the, like the you're like the size the of like essentially like a rubber duck and you're in just like a bathtub. <laughs> Dude, like, like these are these ideas are they're so cool. You can only do them in virtual reality. Like you, yeah, but that would be fucking cool. Like I would love to club in a giant fucking tub with giant fucking like uh, rubber ducks. That just yeah, sounds the, the fun. sky really is the limit. I I do want to touch on one thing before moving on to another topic. And you're talking we're talking about kind of the barrier of money often being the case. But then you might think you know so how are people making money on VR chat if they're spending all this time and resources in doing that and the unfortunate answer is it's it's actually quite difficult. Um, almost the vast majority of the, uh, things being done in this space, either for free or for charity or just as a hobby. And I think there's probably a lot of opposition to it really becoming kind of like a commercial space because it's so grassroots. So it actually is a very touchy subject on you know, actually like monetizing things like this, but yeah, so like meta. Yeah. So like Sanctum, for instance, like the, the club that I work on is a, it is a paid project. Um, that being said, like our payment comes entirely from the people who come to our shows by virtue of Patreon. Oh, and so yes. like people voluntarily, like our shows always will remain free, but people will voluntarily join our Patreon to support us. Right. But like, that isn't necessarily like a business model. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? Um, so like we're still kind of figuring out how to like monetize effectively and monetize in a way that's like not going to piss people off, especially given that soon they're releasing a creator economy within VR chat. Oh, so wow. yeah. Yeah. It, it also kind of answers the question of, you know, why aren't these huge event productions doing things in this space? And it's because you can't like directly sell a ticket through this platform, you know, there's a lot of limitations to that. Like it's one thing to have essentially a tip jar on a third party site. And that, that can be, you know, a valid way to, to fund a project like this and absolutely make it worthwhile. But to actually attract like very high production value, professional uh, kind of productions, it, it is a bit of a limitation. And right now this is very much like an enthusiast space, but like Juno was saying, you know, this can, they're creating a creator economy that's kind of can be built into the platform and there's this is still evolving in such a way but because it's so grassroots it is kind of a complicated subject at the moment i think i mean i feel like it always is when money's involved um with passion projects or like right. things that are like would be normally free um but you know in society we live where you need fucking money to pay bills <laughs> like you unfortunately like yeah. you just have to 
Um, I would love to live in a world where we don't need that shit, but we do. So with with oh, could you plug the Patreon in to support you guys real quick? Uh, sure. Uh, the, there are a bunch of Patreons uh, for a bunch of creators out there that are doing some really wonderful stuff. But if you want to support Sanctum, uh, I'm pretty sure it's slash planet muzz uh, on planet muzz. Uh, spell muzz. M-U-Z-Z. Um, and uh, yeah, if you want to support us, that's the place to do it. Um, gives you priority entry to our shows and we're putting out some like digital merch soon. We're putting out, we just put out some physical merch, uh, which was pretty cool. Dude, so, dope. Yeah. So, yeah. so would you say like the business model would be to sell merch digital or otherwise? I think that that's part of the business model, but I think like with all other artistic pursuits, like you have to vary your income streams. Like right. you can't just do one thing and expect it to be like, cause like, you're not going to sell shirts like as a musician unless your music is good. You know what I mean? And like, you're also not going to get like noticed unless you like know how to use social media. And like, you're you're in competition with every other musician in the online space. And it's never been easier to make music and make brands for yourself. And Oh my God. Yeah. And like, that's one thing I'll give the internet. Um, like it made things a lot more accessible for everyone, but at the same time, it also increased competition. Like nobody's business. Yes. Um, when I was on Fiverr, like trying to freelance for graphic design, I, I had my prices and things like that, and I checked other graphic designers, and there's like dudes in India doing what I do for like ten bucks, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I can't compete with that. There's just no way for me to do that. Um, which is why I sell drugs now. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure where that was going, but uh, I wasn't expecting that. Thank you, thank you. Uh, back to music stuff. So, when it comes to that was a joke, guys. By that, the was way. A joke. that was a okay, joke. Okay, just yeah. uh, drugs are not endorsed on yeah, drugs are not endorsed on this, on this program. Bad, okay. Um, so. <laughs> These concerts that you guys have, you mentioned that um, the DJs will have a video of them DJing in their home and then they have the avatar like in in the virtual reality world. So but then like as soon as they're done, they just cut to the next DJ. Right. Yeah. That's so cool. Like so the transitioning is just like seamless at that point. So something that's interesting about that is um, while the actual like performance, you know, it's it's going from one DJ to the other. When you're performing and you're done DJing, you can walk directly out into the crowd and interact with the people that just watch you perform and kind of interact directly with your fans. And while you could do that, you know, in a in a real life space, that there are a lot of uh, oh there are a lot of uh, complications with that, and it does kind of create like a very interesting opportunity to interact with your fans, and that can only really yeah. exist in a grassroots like small intimate community like this because you know the second someone gets really big you know that's probably less of an intimate experience if a lot of people are trying to interact with them and then obviously if you're you know in a real life setting that might not be the 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 most safe thing to do um after a big performance if you're you know a, a sizable artist but in this space you know you can just do your stream jump back onto your computer into your avatar and walk out into the crowd and interact and get feedback and you know talk to people you just interacted with and obviously you can kind of do that on twitch through Twitch chat, but it's a more intimate experience actually being in a quasi face-to-face kind of setting with the people that just watch you perform. So it is kind of a unique thing um, that's like really only possible in, in that setting, at least from what I can think of. No, that's cool. Like as soon as you said that, I remembered uh, quite a few clips where an audience member tried to interact with the artist 
and it did not go well at all. Yeah. Like the security tackled the fuck out of this dude. Like he, he honestly, he shouldn't have climbed up on stage and try to hug the artist from behind. But, <laughs> like, but then the, the thing is the artist, like he was cool. Like he helped the guy up and he hugged him and tried to make sure he was okay. But yeah, you can't do that in real life. Cause that'll happen. But in virtual reality, you can interact with your fans in a much safer environment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. I like that. Um, so you said big artists and names like that. Who would you say is like quote big or, or getting bigger in the in the virtual reality spaces that that uses um, VR chat? Um, I mean, I think that there's two sides of that, right? Like, there's the people who started in VR chat, and then there are the people who started kind of outside of VR chat. Um, so, I mean, like Muzz is a good example of somebody who started outside of VR chat. I mean, he's been signed to Monster Cat for like what a decade or something now, um, and so. Like people who are like of that caliber or like Luca Lush is like another uh, kind of somewhat more well-known artist who's in virtual reality. Like, so when it comes to those people, like, you know, obviously they have their name like kind of already out there. Um, But also like there are so many DJs in VR chat nowadays that it's like very hard to just like choose like one or two or three even uh, who are like really, really, really good. Uh, we're actually like kind of spoiled in, in VR chat because like there are so many DJs and like shows that are happening at any given point. And like, since all of it is free, if you don't like what you're hearing, you can just go somewhere else and you're there instantly. Right. So like people kind of like, you know, other than the like occasional, like popularity contest, like kind of situation, uh, people, you know, when you fucked up, you know what I mean? Like if you play like, if you play like a set full of like, just like the, the corniest tunes you've ever heard in your life, like people are just going to leave. You get a notification and the number of people in the world, you can watch it shrink. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's not like, it's not like you, you make the excuse of like, oh no, they're just all at the bar. They're just, yeah, you know, yeah. getting drinks or whatever. They just all decided to go piss at the same time, whatever it is. Now these people are gone they're not coming back yeah but the, the word big really is relative you yeah. know and you got to remember that a lot of people that are interacting in this community might not have found music communities normally you know maybe they, they came from just the vr community and found their way into the music community so to them you know their favorite dj or the biggest dj in their eyes might be someone that's just isolated in the vr bubble the yeah. outside of that bubble might be completely unknown but to them they're a big DJ and they're one of their favorites and they look forward to seeing them. So it is a bit of a bubble there. There's people that, you know, exist both inside and outside of that, but you know, it's, it's really hard to say like who are the biggest artists in this yeah. space. Cause it's, it's kind of its own ecosystem. And like Juno was saying there, there, we're so spoiled for talented people. It, it really blows my mind just how frequently I interact with just incredibly, you know, unique and talented, completely undiscovered people. And they can be, you know, quote unquote household names in the VR scene and just completely unknown outside of that. And you can say that, you know, for a lot of platforms, like yeah. even, even like just streaming sites like SoundCloud and, you know, some like there, there are so many talented musicians everywhere, but VR chat's interesting because these, these unknown artists might be performing to hundreds of people on a weekly basis. And like, and they're like in this ecosystem are quote unquote successful, but you know, just outside of that is just a complete non-factor. So it, it is interesting. Uh, you remind me of a phrase that um, I like using. Well, I normally use it in a negative way when it comes to the kink scene, but like in your guys's case, this would be a positive thing or just one-on-one analogy where I always say um, 
this person is a really big fish in a really small pond. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that like the small pond thing is is actually a really good way to put it. Um, it's also like a small pond that is maybe next to a bunch of other small ponds. Mm. And like if you're a fish in one of those ponds, you may never see a fish in another pond that's like right next to you. Right. So like there's like the kind of uh, your standard VR chat parties. But like, for instance, the furry scene also has a rave scene and it's like kind of separate. And like there are completely different DJs who DJ for the furry events in the furry scene. There's some crossover, certainly. But like as a social thing, you might just never meet somebody who is somebody's favorite DJ or you never hear of them because yeah. you just don't see the flyer for the, the, uh, the show that they played. Yeah. Be, because a lot of these things are just kind of free and done as a hobby. Um, oftentimes a lot of the communities are built around, you know, friend groups. So, you know, yeah. like a group of, you know, 20 people that, you know, are, are friends in online spaces might create, you know, a discord server and then start booking DJs for their events and stuff. But you know, there can be completely separate friend groups, complete other separate communities that are all doing their own thing. They never interact with one another. So it, it's not like one cohesive that's connected community. It's, it's almost like a bunch of micro communities that are loosely connected. That's what we did for system 32. That's exactly Precisely, what we did. Yeah. yeah. For our audience members who have no idea what you're talking about, describe system 32. So system 32 was a project that myself and DGen have uh, worked on together in the past. Uh, it was my first stab at getting into doing something in VR. And we basically booked a bunch of artists uh, at the height of the pandemic. And we it, it was a really weird setup because we had three Twitches running at the same time oh, wow. to simulate uh, the DJ, having the DJ on screen, and also being able to watch. Like a view from the audience. Yeah, a view from the audience. So, yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit more about that because this was in... I think like either late 2020 or early 2021, which I will say is a time when this community was a lot less developed. And when I first got into VR chat, I, I had no knowledge of the, the music aspect of that at all, but I was already doing production in the real life space for electronic music events. So when I finally found that space in VR chat, it was a huge like light bulb for me. I'm like, wow, this is like a huge opportunity. You know, it can expand our audience. There's so much, to be done. And I think I kind of jumped the gun a bit because back then technology was even less developed than it is now. Like <laughs> yeah. in that space, like a single year going by is a huge leap forward for the tech. So, you know, we got a bunch of the production people we work with here in LA on board. We said, Oh, there's this brand new platform. Let's book a bunch of DJs. We can get them on their Twitch stream. And you know, we got all this together. We threw this like two day, uh, essentially music festival. And, um, at the time, like VRChat as a platform is very janky, like things crashed. It was really hard to run. It was just a real pain in the ass. And then after the whole weekend and ended, they're like, okay, that was kind of cool. So how do we, how do we monetize this for all the time mm. we had to spend on this? And I'm like, well, the thing is, you know, <laughs> the point is to really establish yourself in the space. So when it does expand, you know, we can, you know, you can kind of already be in the game, but when there's such a huge question mark like that, it's really hard to get people, uh, really on board with that. So yeah, it, it, when, when you kind of introduce kind of external aspects like that, it can get a bit complicated, but the and, scene has developed a lot since And also then, because say. of the, the amount of labor we had to put in, I think like Break Machine was having, you know, he wasn't really too keen on it after that, that night. So it was like, uh, 
So the project kind of fell apart, mm. but it was a it was like a first stab at trying to do something like yeah, this. Yeah, th- that was really early on in the scene. Um, this kind of like eras of, of the VR chat music scene, and I would say that that was in kind of the the OG era that uh, I'd I'd say probably most people in the scene now probably would not even be familiar with because like I said that that was pretty like obviously there was stuff going on before then, but I I would say the scenes come a I, real long way since. I think then. at the time we were even talking to the developers. And trying to get them to like front page us or something, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, so we are coming up on time, correct? We are at 133. 133. So um, I do want to ask uh, a few like questions uh, about you guys' music history um, before okay. our time is up. Um, so number one, what were your musical influences that got you into um, DJing in particular? Like... Was there a time when you were listening to like EDM as a like six year old and suddenly click and you're like, oh shit, I want to fucking do this for the rest of my life? You know? uh, so I didn't actually start listening to electronic music until I was like maybe in middle school, um, maybe even like high school. Mm. Um, maybe maybe a little bit like my brother like listened to like Mo and like Moby and like you know little people like those those kinds of like electronica acts. Um, but I didn't really get into dance music until, like, yeah, I, I was a classical kid. I have been playing violin since I was three, so <laughs> um, that's where that's where I started with music. Um, and then I started like making music and really like listening to electronic music and stuff in high school. Uh, and then in college, just kind of you know, that's yeah, <laughs> that's what I've been doing since. So yeah, for myself, I've I've always been a huge music enthusiast, but. Electronic music to me was not really on my radar for the longest time. For me, my, my biggest interest in, in anything creative is just like boundary pushing kind of interesting stuff. And I really wrote electronic music off as kind of this vapid thing for a while. But it wasn't until kind of in my later teens, I started going to kind of underground parties. And that's where you really see the creative side of music. You see people uh, really pushing boundaries in that scene for sure. And that, that completely turned me on to electronic music. And also I started to see electronic music as kind of like the final frontier, like infinite possibilities for, for music. And then, you know, as I've developed more as a musician, um, I've really expanded that. And to me, the goal of any creative is you should be interested and you should try to like as many things as possible. Um, you know, to me, the most interesting things are the things I've written off or the things I, I don't enjoy just because, you know, you really try to find value in that so yeah musical inf- <laughs> i mean the music i produce now i i even have a hard time describing because like i said um i'm just looking for for boundary pushing stuff and i think there's a lot of that in the electronic music music space especially in the the underground kind of communities that we're talking about here look at maddie how did i get into yeah. uh um we have a older sister that knows the bouncers to kind of get you into no, but uh, I guess my beginning with electronic music was trance, and then I found um, hardstyle, dubstep, and so on and so forth. I've always been into music uh, ever since as young as I could remember, and I was classically trained as well. Oh, uh, really? Piano. Really? Yeah, I played a piano Tell when I was a kid. Just like every, you know, just like every other Asian kid, you get sent to go <laughs> to piano class and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the same thing with me being a Jewish kid and getting a violin shoved <laughs> into my hands. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, but once finding electronic music, it's like, yeah, you know, this just vibe with me. It's not like I didn't listen to other, I listened to punk rock, I listened to rap, I listened to hip hop growing up and everything. 
but electronic music just kind of always stayed. Mm. Like those came in phases, but I've always listened to electronic music. And when given the chance to, um, I learned how to DJ and, uh, you know, just because I like doing it, I bought all the gear and stuff. And then DJing would come over, uh, like this is like early 2014. He'll come over and just play around on the decks. And that's how he got into DJing as well. Mm. Uh, do you guys mind talking about um, hardships or just like hard lessons you learn uh, in your experience with music or with music production, like especially with VR? Like I imagine there was a lot of uh, a lot of learning lessons with it. As you said, like the first thing you guys did, like it was a failure, but you learned a lot from it. Yeah, for myself, um, I found out there's there's a big difference between making music and being an artist, and there is a lot of variables that go into being an artist. Like what are your goals? What are your philosophies? What message are you trying to, to put out there? You know, what is your brand? And it's one thing to make awesome music, but to actually be an artist and to, you know, influence people and to really, you know, set goals for yourself is, is a completely different experience. And whether that be you're throwing events or you're creating communities or you're just making music or you're being, you know, an influencer, like all of those are different avenues for that. And, you know, things like VR, just other pathways to do that. And, you know, those pathways are just recreating more and more every day with not just just not just with time passing, but especially with technology, which, like I was saying before, like marrying those two together, I think really is kind of the current meta for for being an artist. And I think there's a, a lot of like untapped potential with the. Eddie, you had no trials and tribulations. You were just the smooth ride being well, a musician. I mean, we kind of talked about like System 32 and uh, my other company. You know, I wasn't really successful in the beginning as well. And then eventually, you know, kind of built up where I was throwing underground warehouse raves. Uh, I mean, you've been to some of my events. In oh, the past. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but just like one of my favorite uh, podcasters uh, said, his name is Tom Bilyeu. Um, failure is the largest stream of information that you can learn from. And, uh, yeah, it rings really true. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, nothing's ever a, a linear, like pathway on the way up. Like there's going to be speed bumps along the way. I mean, we failed yeah. together with sake stuff in the past too. Certain ideas just didn't pan out. It didn't oh, yeah. work and, you know, move on. We learn from it. We move on. And yet we're still the biggest <laughs> square footage dungeon in Southern California as well. One of the largest kink groups ever. Yeah. Um, you yeah. won't find more kinky Asians in us other than actual Asia. <laughs> Juno. Um, I mean like kind of to echo like what, what everyone else has been saying is that like, especially when it comes to art, there's so much room to fail and like you kind of have to fail to move forward. Um, there's always going to be like, some new like you know genre of music there's some new social media platform to to figure out how to use some new piece of software whatever it is like and it's like fine to like not do something well at first like you know they say you have to make like like five thousand shitty songs before you make like one good one <laughs> um you know or the ten thousand hours to mastery thing mm -hmm. um i think like all of that is like just a really important part of anything artistic you guys just reminded me of that Adventure Time quote by, I think it's Jake. Yeah. Where he says, the first step of being good at something is sucking at something. <laughs> Which is absolutely true. Like, I don't trust anyone who's like, oh, I was perfect from day one. Like, okay, guy. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, an alpha male? Okay. I mean, yeah. It's like, I think the only person I'd believe that about is like Jacob Collier. Like, 
Um, so with with that in mind, like you guys experienced so far and the projects that you're on, like where do you see like the, the concerts and virtual reality going? Like as far as like your clubs, your events and things like that, do you imagine that um, access would be more viable to people, that there's going to be an influx of like more people in virtual reality since it's becoming mainstream? Um, yeah, I mean, I think like as it becomes more and more mainstream, as headsets get cheaper and cheaper, um, especially like when you compare the value of the US dollar to like other countries, right? Like the cheaper headsets are, it unlocks like an entire country's access to that technology, right? So the more people who are getting into it, the bigger the community gets, the easier that these things like monetization and stuff like that are going to end up becoming, especially as these platforms like VRChat is adding their creator economy and like Discord's added like essentially their own version of Patreon inside of Discord now. And like, what? Yeah. Yeah. There's like server subscriptions and like, you know, all of the like social media platforms like have ways of monetizing them. And, you know, so just I think that like it's going to get smoother and smoother and smoother. But it's, you know, the people who are dealing with the rough side of it right now that like are kind of being that rock tumbler and like smoothing out the process mm. for everyone else in the future. Yeah, I do want to add on to that. Um, there's there's probably some not probably I've heard some pushback to kind of these types of scenes developing and, and people saying like, oh, this will never replace me wanting to do something in person. And the point is not to replace it. I think there's always going to be a synergy in both existing and like Gina was saying, like this is going to get more and more developed and give more and more people access. But I don't think it's replacing any other existing kind of institutions anytime soon. So, uh, you know, any any doubt about that, I, I would really dismiss and just really open. This is kind of a brand new thing that gives a lot of people like access that didn't have it before. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, uh, for instance, like books, like there's still people out there who love flipping through the pages, but we also have audio books for people who can't do that. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with yeah. that. Um, the sky's the limit, especially with technology. As you guys said, like in the, in the beginning, it's just going to get better. It's just going to get more accessible and cheaper for everybody. And it's going to get real lifelike. Uh, Maddie, what about you? Where do you see music in virtual reality going from everything you just heard? I mean, I really don't know because I'm not really part of the virtual reality music scene. Is it, does it interest you though? It, it does. I mean, if it didn't, I wouldn't have jumped on with uh, System 32. Um, but just time constraints. I really don't oh, yeah. have the time to develop into that area. Um, doing a lot of different projects with sake and with some other stuff. So um, I don't really have much to add for that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like okay. also probably like until you're not going to get motion sick whenever you put a toaster on your face, you know, like yeah. totally yeah. forgot about it. At the very <laughs> least, I hope we've at least piqued your interest and, you know, see some potential in it and it moving forward. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, we hope we piqued the interest of all of our audience members out there too. Like <laughs> when we were doing the little live earlier, like a lot of people were like, like, uh, the comments I was getting was that it was very interesting. They didn't even know this was a thing. So yeah. like getting the word out there is super fucking important. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's like for all the, for all the listeners who might be interested, like all you need is a computer, uh, just a windows computer and you can just download VR chat for free. You don't need a headset. You can get involved with this stuff too. And the headset is just like an extra thing. It'll really put you in there. Layer of immersion. Yeah. yeah. It's the hardware, hardware DLC. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> the $500 DLC. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So, 
Um, I would love for you guys to plug in your projects and your social medias. That way people can follow you and support you guys wherever you go. Or um, as we said earlier, like EDM and Chill, where they can possibly find you and hang out and like really get to know the music scene for all of our music enthusiasts out there. Yeah, so once again, my artist name is Dgen. That's D-G-E-N. You can find me on Spotify, SoundCloud, all your music streaming platforms. I'm working on a lot of kind of interesting experimental pop music and electronic music right now. You can also find me on Twitch at Dgen Music. That's D underscore Gen underscore music. I do all sorts of streams, everything from things exploring AI to DJ sets to just messing around. And also check out EDM and Chill. We're on Instagram if you're in the LA area and you're a listener. Um, that's EDM space and space chill on Instagram no for space, the name no and EDM and chill. No spaces for the actual <laughs> Instagram name. Thank you for correcting me there, Maddie. Um, you can check that out. You can see any future events we have. <laughs> Thank you for that distinction there. So that's where you can find uh, my projects and you know. Uh, yeah, so uh, I am Sounds by Juno on every platform. Uh, artist name is ju.no, all lowercase. Um, yeah, uh, you can support me on things like Patreon. Uh, you can support me through Sanctum's Patreon as well. Um, definitely shout outs to Sanctum again. Uh, yeah. And you can support Maddie by showing up and giving him your feet. That would be great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I want to add that Gino also produces incredible music. I don't want him to, to downplay that for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. You. But my producer, Maddie, if you could sign off. All right. It was a great show. I love talking about the VR and the next frontier, right? Absolutely. I can't wait to catch up with you guys. Thanks here to see like the next jumps in uh, virtual reality and music. And for everyone out there, you know who this is. This is your favorite dominant Remy talking about virtual reality with our wonderful guests, Juno and DGen with my producer, Maddie. We are signing off and we hope to see you on the next uh, podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs>